Good morning. My name is Dustin Snyder. I'm on staff here at South Point. I get the privilege of working with our awesome worship team, and, and sometimes I get an opportunity to preach, and so that's what I'm going to be doing this morning is talking with you guys. And if it's all right with all of you, I would like to just get real right from the get-go. I'd like to get really honest and, and just real, and then, you know, we'll go, we'll go from there. I believe that we are in a dangerous place in the American church right now. I believe that we're at a crossroads, and I, I believe that the way that we, in which we engage with God and carry out his mission these next 10 to 20 years is going to have a massive impact on the spiritual landscape of America. And so I believe we're in a dangerous place, and the reason I think we're in a dangerous place is because we have become satisfied with not really knowing God. I think we've become satisfied with not really knowing God. I think we like the idea of God, and I think we enjoy the community that the church has to offer. We probably find the music encouraging. Maybe we get moments where we get this passing glance at God, and maybe that fills us up spiritually for a little while, but I question how many of us actually know God. And I'm not saying fully understand him in all of his ways, but there certainly are levels to which we can begin to peel back the layers of who God is and how he works. And when you begin to peel these layers back, you can begin to grow in your relationship with him and grow in your faith and actually begin to know him. Because I'm not sure how many of us actually know him. What do I mean? Well, if you and I were to go and grab a cup of coffee, I love coffee. If we were to go grab coffee and, and get into a real deep conversation, I like getting into deep conversations with people, and, and you know, maybe I'll begin to pick your brain about God a little bit, and I could ask you about God the Father, and, and I bet that you could tell me that the Father is a good Father, and that he sits on the throne in heaven, and he, he gives gifts to us, and you could probably go on and on about the Father, and I'd ask you about the Son, and I, I bet you'd get really excited, and you would talk to me about Jesus, and you would tell me about how he left heaven, and he came down on earth and he lived this sinless life and he healed numerous people and he, he taught prolifically and then he went to die on a cross, but not just die, but he actually rose back to life and conquered death and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. But I bet for the majority of us that if I asked you about the Holy Spirit, you may get uncomfortable and may not know how to answer. And listen, you're not alone in this. You know, I grew up watching cartoons, and um, my understanding of the Holy Spirit was kind of like this, right? My understanding of the Holy Spirit was pretty much when you're being tempted to sin and you have that little devil on one shoulder, my understanding that the Holy Spirit was a little angel on the other shoulder telling you that you should do what's right. And I know that sounds funny, but I actually don't think it's that too far off from what a lot of people actually believe. There's this uh, man by the name of George Barna. He's a pollster, a respected pollster. And if you don't know what a pollster is, this is just someone who asks people questions on a very wide scale. They do research. And, and this man, George Barna, he has dedicated a big portion of his life to researching and understanding the religious beliefs and behaviors of Americans. And uh, he took a poll, and the results of this poll were pretty staggering to me, maybe they will be to you. And so to quote this man, George Barna, on a recent poll, he says, nearly 60% of Americans 
who regularly attend Christian church. Did you hear that? Regularly attend Christian church, like frequent churchgoers, not the people who just come to church on Christmas and Easter. Creasters. They have a name. Creasters. We're not talking about creasters. We're talking about people who believe themselves to be Christians. Nearly 60% of Americans who regularly attend Christian church say there is no such thing as the Holy Spirit. They say the Holy Spirit is just a symbol of God's power or presence or purity. You know what this means? It means that more than half of American believers believe under a false misunderstanding or misunderstanding of who God actually is, which means when you get down to the bare bones of who God is and what he's done for us and how he interacts with us and what he's called us to do and how he equips us to do what he's called us to do, that more than half of all American believers either have no idea or they believe something that's not true. And so we're in a dangerous place in the American church, and I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit is not some mystical force or just source of power or symbol, and if that's what you believe, then you have a misunderstanding of who God is. The Holy Spirit isn't a force or a power or a symbol. The Holy Spirit is God, and he's just as tangible and real as God the Father and God the Son. They are a trinity, and maybe you've heard this term, trinity, before, but I want to quickly show you this diagram that I believe really illustrates well what this trinity looks like. Now, I know that this has a lot of stuff going on, but in theory, it's relatively simple. You see, God exists in three distinct persons, meaning the Father is God, and the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. They are all God together. What you see, they're distinct because the Father is not the Son, meaning the Father didn't come down from heaven to be sacrificed on a cross. And the Father isn't the Holy Spirit that we're going to see descend in the book of Acts. The Father is in heaven and has always been in heaven. The Father is distinct. Just like the Son is not the Father because Jesus was not always in heaven. For 33 years, Jesus left heaven and lived on this earth and was sacrificed on a cross. And the Son is also not the Holy Spirit because Jesus is not the one who descends on the apostles in the book of Acts, and so the Son is distinct. And then you have the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit is not the Son because the Holy Spirit didn't die on the cross. And ever since creation, the Holy Spirit has been at work in the world, and so the Holy Spirit is also not the Father in heaven. He's distinct. Three distinct persons who are not one another, but are all equally God. And just to make it confusing, in case it wasn't already, all three, all three heads of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, although they are not one another, they are in one another, meaning they are intrinsically in relationship and connected on a God-sized level that we cannot even begin to understand. But we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a trinity, and our interaction with God can vary based on which head we are interacting with. And the Holy Spirit is extremely important. And the thing is, we're about to go through the entire book of Acts this year. And in this book, the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is probably more center stage, at least visually, than you'll see in any other book of the Bible. And if we begin this year with a false 
understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, then there's going to be very little opportunity for you to grasp what is going on in this book. And there's also going to be very little opportunity for you to be able to grasp what's going on in the church right now because this same Holy Spirit who transformed these ordinary human beings in the book of Acts into revolutionaries, who went on to change the landscape of the world that they lived in with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, that's the same Holy Spirit in this room right now who wants to take ordinary human beings and transform us into revolutionaries who go and change the landscape of the world we live in with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the same Holy Spirit. But if you don't know who the Holy Spirit is or you don't believe that the Holy Spirit is real, that is going to be really difficult for you. And so to begin this year-long series that we're calling Origins, we'll be reading through the book of Acts for the next few, or where we will be reading through the book of Acts for this entire year. For the next few weeks, we're going to be spending a little bit of time in a series that we're calling Setting the Stage. And in the Setting the Stage series, we're just going to set up a little bit of framework about the book of Acts before we teach through it, because we want to teach through it well. And for the first three weeks of the Setting the Stage series, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about who the Holy Spirit is, and what the Holy Spirit does, and how the Holy Spirit works. And we just want to strip away some of the discomfort and fear and uncertainty and, frankly, a little bit of ignorance about who the Holy Spirit is. And just as an aside, what this is not going to be, what this is not going to be, because my guess is there, there are probably some people in here who as soon as I started talking about the Holy Spirit were like, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit, like tongues, visions, dreams, like what is going on? And while we acknowledge that the Holy Spirit does some things and gives some things, the main thing we want to talk about is the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. And so you guys don't need to worry about me walking around and smacking people on the forehead or getting out snakes or any of that stuff. We're just going to talk about a person. We're going to talk about God. But before we go any further, we should probably pray. Will you guys pray with me? God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you do exist in a trinity and perfect relationship, God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that that love from that relationship spills out and is shared with us. God, I pray that you speak directly through me now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you convey your message clearly through me and that these words are yours and not mine and that we walk away understanding not only is the Holy Spirit real, but we desperately need his help if we're going to know you and if we're going to accomplish your mission on this planet. Jesus, we love you. We just praise your name. Amen. So the Holy Spirit we're just going to talk about who the Holy Spirit is. And if you missed it when I said it at the beginning, the most important thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is God. He's not simply a source of power, not simply our guilty conscience or angel on our shoulder when we do bad things. Although he is mysterious, he's not simply a mysterious force that we're meant to know about but only interact with passively. The Holy Spirit is God, just like the Father, just like the Son. He has always been God, and he will always be God as a part of the perfect trinity. And you know, we see the Holy Spirit like right out of the gate, right at the beginning of the Bible. You don't have to wait around until the book of Acts to see the Holy Spirit descend dramatically 
just like the Father, just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit is eternal. He has always been. He's always existed, and we see him right out of the gate. And so if you guys will read with me Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, literally page 1 says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, capital S, Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, was hovering over the face of the water. Now, if you continue to read, you know that this chaos, this darkness, this void, if you continue to read, then you know that the Holy Spirit goes to work and begins to create everything. And he begins to arrange and order and make sense of everything so that God's glory might be seen and revealed so that we might be able to marvel at his power and his beauty and his love for us. You see, creation is a gift, and the Holy Spirit is the agent of creation. The Holy Spirit sets things into motion, even from the beginning, even from the beginning for the sake of glorifying God. You know, if you guys didn't know, I was actually in the Navy I was in the Navy from 2009 to 2013, and, and over the course of that time in the Navy, uh, the ship that I was stationed on, we were deployed into northern Europe and even up into Russia. And, and military life, specifically Navy life, is all I can speak to, but, but it's stressful, right? It's hard. You find yourself cooped up in confined spaces with a couple hundred other frustrated people, depending on the size of your ship, maybe a couple thousand other frustrated people, and, and pretty much everyone would rather be at home with their loved ones and families, and, and you don't get a lot of sleep, and, and there's no shortage of work to be done, and then for us, certain areas that our ship would travel to, they're accompanied by the threat of being potentially attacked, which means unless you're just built differently, you don't sleep particularly well, even when you get the opportunity to. And if I can just be fully transparent with you guys, although I was a believer at this moment in my life, I was not very good at thinking about God when I was in the Navy. It just wasn't. Now, none of that's an excuse, but this, this military life, this, it just got to me, and I was always distracted or, or usually angry about something, and I just was not thinking about God a whole lot. But you see, I'd find these moments and I'd go topside, which is just the top of the ship, and I would just like visually take in wherever we were just to get away from work for a minute. And, and you know, we could be floating in the middle of the foggy ocean and look a lot like this, where you could literally stand on the ship and look out, and it is hundreds, if not thousands of miles before there's any coast. Or, or once when we sailed past the rock of Gibraltar with these huge towering cliffs out of something that looked like a fantasy novel or something. It was just amazing. There was one time when we were in the Mediterranean Sea, and it was nighttime, and these pink glowing jellyfish, like thousands upon thousands of them, just surrounded our ship. And you could stand on the ship and look out and see these pink glowing jellyfish for what looked like forever. It was so surreal. And when we crossed into the Arctic Circle, and sometimes the northern lights would be visible, and just these amazing streaks of color across the black sky. And, you know, the pictures never do it justice, 
They'll never do it justice because in the moment it just like takes your breath away. It's a creation. It's God's creation and it was set in motion by the Holy Spirit, the one who was at the beginning hovering over the face of the waters waiting to be set loose to create and glorify God. In Romans 1, it says this, it says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Meaning when you see things like that, when you have moments like that, you don't get to ignore God You know, when I perceived things like that in the Navy, it didn't matter if I wanted to be thinking about God or not. I was very suddenly thinking about him. Even for people who aren't believers, you know, in in those types of moments, maybe they can't put their finger on it exactly, but you get moments like those and you all of a sudden begin to feel like there's something bigger going on, even if you don't understand what it is. this agent of creation, the Holy Spirit, that sets things into motion. Now, the Holy Spirit that sets things into motion is not just in creation, but he also sets things into motion inside each and every one of us. Now, check this out. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into the book of Acts, which is all right because you'll likely forget about it by the time we come back around to this verse and talk about it again in July. So... But this verse, it gives another picture of who the Holy Spirit is. Now, all you need to know about this passage that we're about to read is that Peter, the disciple, is preaching, and people are listening to him. And here's what happens. It says this. It says, while Peter was, while Peter was still saying these things, while Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, meaning the Jewish people, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And so understand that at this point in time, Jewish believers are still kind of struggling and contending with the truth that God is for everyone and not just for Israelites. And you have Peter who begins to preach and the Holy Spirit falls and things begin to click and people begin to understand things and the truth begins to be revealed because the Holy Spirit is not just the agent of creation, but the Holy Spirit is the agent of revelation. And I'm not just talking about the book of Revelation, although the book of Revelation was written by John through the power of the Holy Spirit, but we're not even going to get into all of that. But the Holy Spirit is the agent of revelation, meaning he reveals things to you. He illuminates things for you. In this passage, we just read people were being preached to And boom, the Holy Spirit falls and all of a sudden it begins to click and it makes sense. And maybe you say, man, that's amazing. Like, I would love to experience something like that. But I argue that if you're a Jesus follower, you have experienced that. Because if you're in this room and you call yourself a Christian, the only way that's possible is because the Holy Spirit fell on you and showed you the broken nature of your sin and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. And when he did that, you said, yeah, that makes sense. That's the only way any of us come into this. There's no other way. You can't stumble into it by accident. 
doesn't matter if you grew up in a Christian home. That doesn't mean you're going to just believe you can't force or earn your way into the kingdom by sheer willpower. You came into the kingdom because the Holy Spirit revealed the truth to you. The Holy Spirit revealed reality to you. The Holy Spirit opened your eyes and you saw the goodness of God and you surrendered to it and you were saved by it. And that's revelation brought about by the Holy Spirit that leads to salvation through the blood of Jesus. And it's amazing. You know, what a massive role the Holy Spirit plays. You know, but as the agent of revelation, the Holy Spirit doesn't even just stop its salvation. Yeah, he will give you a moment where you understand God's goodness and your brokenness that you can say yes and receive salvation, but the Holy Spirit continues to reveal even after you've said yes. He continues to reveal things to you throughout your journey of following Jesus. You know, every breakthrough you've ever made about God came as a result of the Holy Spirit at work inside of you, whether you understood it or not. I'll go a step further and suggest that you've never picked up the Bible and had a light bulb go off in your head that didn't involve the Holy Spirit. You can't understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit. You can't. And maybe you don't believe me, or maybe you've experienced this. Have you if you're, if you're a believer, have you ever had an atheist start like slinging scripture at you and just like throwing all these verses at you out of context and they're trying to use it to paint God in this false light and you're just listening to them talk about these verses and you're like, how did you come to that conclusion when you were reading this? Or maybe you've watched some Bible show on like the Discovery Channel or the History Channel and, and there's like one of these talking heads, like PhD, really brainy types and they begin talking about the Bible, and as you're listening to them talk, it feels like, are we even reading the same book? Check this out. We're not. We're not. Because until you start reading with the Holy Spirit, you can't understand the whole of Scripture. The agent of Revelation reveals that to you. And so are you having trouble understanding the Bible? Do you pick up the Bible and find yourself frustrated and not being able to retain or gather like anything, walking away, feeling like it's a waste of time because nothing was revealed to you? Or have you considered sitting just for a few minutes before you read and praying and asking that the Holy Spirit read alongside of you and reveal God's truth to you? Like, what would that look like? What would that look like to be a church that depends on the Holy Spirit to understand the Bible instead of trying to depend on our own literary skill set. The Holy Spirit falls and things are revealed. This old pastor by the name of R.A. Torrey, I think he hit it right on the head when he said it like this. He said, no amount of mere reading the written word in the Bible and no amount of listening to man's testimony will ever bring us to a living knowledge of Christ. It is only when the Holy Spirit himself takes the written word or takes the testimony of our fellow man and interprets it directly to our hearts that we really come to know Jesus as he is. You cannot know Jesus and do not know Jesus without the Holy Spirit facilitating that relationship. That's who the Holy Spirit is and that's what the Holy Spirit does. And Jesus talks to his disciples about this in the book of Johnny. He tells them this. He says, but when the Helper comes, the Holy Spirit, 
whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. There it is again, capital S, Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me when the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. If we can just go back to this Trinity diagram for a second, as you'll see that outside circle that we didn't talk about before, the primary role of each part of the Trinity is to glorify the other two, to bring glory and attention not to themselves, but to the others. And because of this, the roles work perfectly within one another. You see, God the Father, he seeks no glory for himself, but rather glorifies the Son and the Holy Spirit by sending them directly to us. Jesus was here in the flesh, and the Holy Spirit is here with us now, and we can experience them directly, and because of that, God is glorified. And if you read Scripture, Jesus the Son, he seeks no glory for himself, but instead he's constantly glorifying the Father. Because the Father is the one who forgives us and adopts us into his family. And every good gift and blessing that comes to us comes from the Father. He draws us into the kingdom and then, and then he makes us a part of it. And then Jesus glorifies the Holy Spirit because it is only by the Holy Spirit that we can even know God or have a relationship with him. And it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that anything kingdom related on this planet moves forward at all. And so Jesus glorifies and brings attention to the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit, the one that's working inside each and every one of us, he seeks no glory for himself, which is obvious because more than half of all Christians don't even think he's real. Instead, he brings glory to the Father and the Son. And we talked about the ways in which he brings glory to the Father through creation and the way that you get a sense of something bigger than yourself. You get this glimpse into the kingdom, into who God is, will stir up your emotions and, and bring your attention to the truth that God is real. But then the most important thing that the Holy Spirit does for us, I believe, is when the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. Which brings us to our last big identifier about who the Holy Spirit is, and that is that the Holy Spirit is a witness for Jesus. Now why is this so important. Why is it essential for Jesus to be glorified? Well, because it's only by the sacrifice and blood of Jesus that we can be forgiven, saved, made new, and welcomed into the kingdom of God. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and Jesus is the gate by which we must pass into the kingdom. Jesus is the bread of life, and apart from him there is no life. There is no other name under heaven and earth by which we can be saved except for the precious, powerful, and holy name of Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. And that feeling you get in your chest when you hear words like that and you know they're true is the Holy Spirit testifying inside of you about Jesus, always pleading with you, always pushing you, always reminding you that it's Jesus Right? There's nothing in this world better than being fully known and fully loved by Jesus. There's no amount of brokenness that cannot be put together. 
There's no amount of hurt that can't find healing. There's no amount of sin that can't be washed away. Our Savior is good. Not only is he good, but he's powerful, right? Darkness trembles at his name. Demons flee for, being, or for fear of being crushed by Jesus. And so do you feel lost or are you hurting or are you living with fear or anger or sadness inside of you? Are you does something have a hold on you that just will not let go, that you can't break free from? And maybe this world and all of its junk and madness just isn't cutting it for you. Well, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Look at Jesus. Worship Jesus. Turn your eyes towards Jesus. And this is the way the Holy Spirit testifies to me about Jesus, always turning my attention, always drawing me back to him. And people want to try to tell me that the Holy Spirit's not real. Well, I won't even speak for anyone else. Suffice it to say that I am weak. I am. And, and if it weren't for the Holy Spirit constantly turning my attention towards Jesus, I would be lost. And as a church, if we are not depending on the Holy Spirit to direct our attention towards Jesus, if we're not depending on the Holy Spirit to help us understand the Bible, and if we aren't depending on the Holy Spirit to direct our steps in carrying out this mission of sharing the good news, then we will be lost. And that's why I believe we're in a dangerous place in the American church. But if we can learn to depend on him and put our trust in him we can't lose lives will be transformed and the lost will find hope and the orphan will come home and chains will be broken and the dead will be brought back to life and the landscape of the world we live in will be changed let's pray God we thank you for who you are we thank you for your goodness and your power. God, I pray that we are a church that is depending on the Holy Spirit for everything. I pray that we are a church that understands that without the Holy Spirit at work, actively in our lives and in this church, that nothing is moving forward, God. We need the Holy Spirit to turn our direction towards, or turn our attention towards Jesus, to remind us of who Jesus is, remind us of his goodness and greatness in God. So I, I pray that as we go out into this week that people begin to seek after you. They begin to chase after Jesus and they begin to depend on the help of the Holy Spirit to put us right with you. We just love you so much for who you are. We thank you for what you've done for us, that you accept us, that you love us in spite of who we are and what we've done. And that is amazing. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.